All right, well, how many happen to walk into our check-in area slash coffee area and see a big table of a bunch of stuff sitting on it? Did anyone see that? That is because of your generosity and Katie's hard work of recruiting supplies for our kids' camp day. And so from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. If you would like to help out with anything else, uh, material-wise, or if you are available to help out on August 17th, Pastor Katie is your go-to person to find out what it is that you can do. And if you don't like people, that means you can come later and clean the floors and the bathrooms and all that too. So lots of things to be done before, during, and after. And Pastor Katie is your go-to person for that. If you have kids or know of kids or families, uh, they can still register on our website, thenorthshore.church slash kids, and uh, they can register for Kids Camp Day. It'll be out of this world quite literally. So looking forward to that. Uh, also, looking forward to next Sunday, August the 15th. Uh, does anybody know where the Terrace Bay Beach is? Anybody at all not know where it is? So when you drive on the highway, follow the big signs that say Terrace Bay Beach. And the town has given us use of the uh, waterfront pavilion to hold the first ever church service in the new pavilion. So that'll be available to us to uh, have a good time. If you want to eat something, bring lunch. If you don't want to eat, watch everybody else eat. That's fine. But uh, we'll celebrate at 11 o'clock next week. Can you say 11 o'clock? If you're watching online in the comments, type in 11 o'clock. They didn't say anything. Okay. There's a bit of a delay, so we'll see what, what comes up on those comments in a bit. But we'll meet you down there at 11 o'clock. We'll bring our guitars. We'll bring uh, some, some, froth that I can't talk, some fun. We'll bring ourselves. And uh, we're just going to celebrate God outside next week. And if the weather is really bad, well, we can always just come back here. Or if there's a few of us, they have the little room that we can use as well if needed. But it's not very big. But we'll just pray for good weather. Uh, we've had two weddings down there these last month, and they've gone really well, so I'm excited to do a church service in the new pavilion. So that'll be, excuse me, that'll be awesome. If you know of someone that wants to come to church but thinks they're going to get struck down by lightning when they walk into a church building, this is a good time to bring them to the beach. Now, uh, I always tell people the first person to be struck by lightning will be me, but um, it hasn't happened yet. So here I stand so far. Well, I also, I'm forgetting some few things, but uh, Thursday we had a movie night, I believe, this past week. And this coming Friday is a swim pool party at the Terrace Bay Swimming Pool. And I think there's still room to register for students to do that. And then Thursday, there is something happening. Uh, it's undecided based on the fire ban, I believe. So if there's no fire ban, there will be fire. If there is a fire ban, there will be Holy Spirit fire. And uh, we'll just go with that. So... I'll tell you later. Ask your, wait, 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 better yet, good discipleship family moment. Ask your mother. There you go. It's true. That's why I'm not looking that way. If you are especially online, I think I know everybody in the room today. So if you're online and you're new or you're just checking us out, whether you're watching live or not, we would love to connect with you. I can look at people in the eye in the room and I can try to make out their facial expressions based on their eyebrow movements. But if you're online, I can't do that. So I would love for you to connect with us uh, in one way, shape, or form and reach out to us because I would love to connect with you and just welcome you to be a part of our family. So you can do that at the northshore.church slash new or slash connect. And I look forward to doing that 
uh, sooner than later. I also want to just say thank you so much for your faithfulness in your giving of your tithes and your offerings. Uh, the money that you give has allowed us to pay all of our bills. We have a roof fundraising project. We are uh, looking to raise about $7,000. And Rebecca told me this week that we're already around $4,000, just over. So praise God. In four weeks, that's $4,000. So in three weeks, we can call the roofer, Greg, and say we've got $7,000 ready to go. How does that sound? So uh, just take a step of faith and believe that God will provide us to be able to do the roof of our house just down the road. And uh, Pastor Katie and Brandon can have a nice dry spring next year. And uh, it'll be awesome. So thank you so much. If you've been able to give to that project, thank you so much. And uh, if you can't give, uh, we want to help you uh, be able to and, and live a life of generosity. But uh, so grateful to our Heavenly Father for your, your giving today. All right. Well, who likes ice cream? All right. Who absolutely hates when someone says, let's have ice cream and they give you frozen yogurt? Because it's the healthy version. Now, I, I, I was compelled to remember this story. So my in-laws lived down in Zephyr Hills sometimes, and they opened up a Culver's. Anyone ever been to the States and gone to a Culver's before? Ever heard of it before? Well, they actually have really good frozen Yogurt. You don't even know it's yogurt. I was not convinced that it was any good. In fact, I didn't believe in it. I thought this is just going to be the kind of the bait and switch. Like, give me Dairy Queen. If you're going to give me soft serve ice cream, give me Dairy Queen. Don't give me this, this, this fake stuff that's supposed to be better for you. Well, was I ever proved wrong? It was fantastic. I would say, mind you, I mean, you get all the toppings. It was probably better than Dairy Queen. So, that's saying something if you'd like ice cream and Dairy Queen. That has nothing to do with the message today. I just had to share those thoughts with you, though. All right. How many here know that Jesus was from Europe? No, I'm kidding. No, he was from Australia. Oh, no, he was Asian. Oh, wow, you're not wrong there. But when Jesus came to this earth, do you know where he was from? No, he was born in, in the Middle East. He was born in the little town of Bethlehem. Yeah, he almost. We'll go, well, Christmas is coming. It's okay. We'll get there. But he was born in Bethlehem, which is in Israel, which means that Jesus wasn't European, he wasn't American, he wasn't South American, he wasn't Australian, he wasn't Asian, he was Jewish. And so many times when we read through the Bible, especially the New Testament when we talk about Jesus, it was written in Greek, but it was understood in Hebrew and Aramaic. And so when people are writing, when people are thinking, they're thinking in Hebrew even though they're writing in Greek. The experiences that they have are happening in Hebrew, but they're written down in Greek. And then we read that translation into English. And sometimes it's really easy for us to either miss some important details or just not get the full picture. I'm not saying that English is inaccurate. I'm just saying sometimes if we don't understand some of these things, they, are, they give us not quite the full picture. We can see that, yeah, this happened to Jesus. Jesus did that. Oh, that was amazing. But then when you start to explore, well, what did he actually do? 
in sort of the Hebraic culture, it really starts to come alive even more. And instead of going, oh, wow, that was cool, we go, wow. Can you practice your wows with me together? Ready? One, two, three. Wow. Cool. So I am hopefully going to let the word of God wow you this morning for the next few minutes. But this last, last week, we started, we started this sort of series on the messianic miracles of Jesus. And a few weeks ago, we talked about Nehemiah. We talked about Ezra building the wall, and they did all the right things, put on all the right clothes, and yet the presence of God still wasn't there. And it says that the elders who had once experienced the temple and the presence of God, they were mourning and weeping because they had done everything right on the outside, And nothing happened because there was no heart change on the inside. And so I believe that Jesus came to bring the presence of God to this earth. And instead of being confined to the temple, Jesus was able to eliminate the barriers that exist between us and heaven. Jesus was able to eliminate the barriers that existed between us and our heavenly Father, God. Which means that the presence of God is wherever we go when we allow Jesus into our life. And so that is just an amazing wow moment to begin with. But there are a few things that we can pay attention to that make Jesus eligible to be the Messiah. Rather, not so much eligible, but to point to the truth that, hey, this guy, Jesus, is the Messiah. Now, what we learned um, about the Messiah, what we learned about the Pharisees a little bit last week, is that in their desperation for freedom, in their desperation for independence from the Roman government, they forgot the real purpose of the Messiah was to bring salvation to all of Israel. And so last week, does anybody remember what we talked about if you were here? What miracle did we talk about? What healing did Jesus do? He healed a... Say that again, Nick. A leper. Not a leper, as in a cat, but a leper, someone who had leprosy. And we found that story in Mark chapter 1. And some of the things that we, we came out of that was, number one, when we are walking with God, when we are following the call of God, when God is calling us to do something through his Holy Spirit, when his power rests upon us and his presence is with us, we do not need to be afraid to touch the lepers, to reach out to the outcast, to reach out to those who are broken and hurting. God has actually called us to those widows and those orphans and those who are the outcasts. For us, it means we don't need to be afraid to go out. Now, we still talked about using wisdom in all of those things in light of that. So this week, we're going to get into the second messianic miracle, and we can find this story in Matthew chapter 12. So if you have a Bible, you can go there right now, Matthew 12. Someone say Matthew. Someone else say 12. 22 to 23. Matthew 12, 22 to 23. All right, Ronan, where are we going today? What, what number? Matthew 12, 22 to 23. Not bad. You said it really well, so I figured you might have it memorized. All right, here we go. Then they brought him... Jesus, a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? 
But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, It is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. I know I read 24. We'll kind of get to that in a little bit. But here's what happens. They brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and he was mute. And Jesus healed him so he could both talk and see. And all the people were astonished and said, Could this be the son of David? Now, let's paint the picture for us a little bit. We are in Israel. We are God's chosen people. We're holding on to the promise that one day God is going to send the Messiah to save us. Now, in every moment that Israel needed saving, God sent a superhero. God sent them somebody that God would give instruction to, God would give authority to, God would give the ability to negotiate or to lead their people out of slavery into victory. And so we see this with Moses. He's kind of the first savior, so to speak. He helps deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery. And we see this again with King David. The kingdom is grossly divided. There's a big kind of really disruptive change in power. Some are still loyal to King Saul. David is now chosen. There's this big, and David spends years joining together the kingdom of Israel. David was a mighty warrior. He slayed lions, he slayed bears, and he even slayed a giant. Someone say giant. It was said that he was probably Israel's greatest leader. Israel was at the top of its game when they had King David. By the time of his death, I love this quote, and it's something that I hope to live by. It says that by the time David died, he wasn't just a giant slayer, but he was surrounded by giant slayers. Okay? He wasn't just one giant slayer, but he was surrounded by giant slayers. What do I mean by that? I mean that he didn't keep that to himself. He built a nation that was strong, that was mighty. He built a nation that was passionately in love with their heavenly father, passionately in love with the things of God. He built people up instead of tearing them down. Now, we know that David is certainly not a perfect king, but he was probably one of their best kings. And so we see the people. We paint this picture. They're in Israel. They're living under the, the leadership, under the rule, under the authoritarian dictatorship of the Roman Empire. They're not citizens of Rome. They are slaves. So they're taxed more than they can handle. When they step out of line, they're beaten. Some are put to death. They're treated wrongfully. The list goes on and on and on. They are not a free people. But remember, the Messiah came to free us with salvation. But they're looking for a different kind of freedom. So Jesus had performed many miracles. So what is it about this miracle that they said, maybe this one is the son of David? Why did they ask that question? Why did this one make him a candidate for the position of Messiah? Well, it's because this is what we call a messianic miracle. And all who were present, Pharisees included, knew that information. They knew that when Jesus did what he did, they knew this was a miracle only the Messiah could do. So here's what we know. So I was going to make Pastor Katie do this message, and she was adamant that she was not going to talk about demon possession today. 
So if I just drop dead right now, Pastor Katie's going to start talking about demon possession. How many here would like to hear Pastor Katie talk about demon possession? Guess whose hand is up, Katie? Don't look around. Guess whose hand is up? Oh, I didn't look right that, that far back. No, he's, he's too nice to you. Take a good guess. No. Nick. Nick, one of our youth leaders. Pastor Katie has done such a great job in building a youth leadership team that Nick believes she can handle it. Okay? I believe Pastor Katie could handle this without a doubt, but she adamantly refused. So here you are stuck with me today. But it was believed, so it's okay. You know what? Pastor Katie's going to practically show us how later, okay? Let's, we'll just put that on her. But in the first century, rabbis could cast out demons in a particular method. Now, Jesus kind of takes our methods sometimes, kind of blows them up. But they had a method for healing somebody that was demon-possessed. So they would bring that person before the rabbi, and the rabbis would ask the name of the demon. It's kind of crazy stuff, right? So who wants to be our demon today? <laughs> okay, Corey, you, can, you already got the long hair, and you're already kind of crazy. This is perfect. So you just go ahead and stand kind of on this, this front row here. All right. So Bill has brought Corey to us today and said, Pastor, get this demon out of my son. No, you got to look at me because I'm talking to you. All right. So then I, would, I wouldn't ask Corey what his name is. The rabbi would ask the demon's name inside him. And then, then the demon would speak. And then the rabbi would be able to say that name of the demon and cast it out of the person. And the person would be free. All right. So what would happen is Corey's got a mask on. He can't talk. What is the name of the demon? He can't, he can't say anything because he can't talk. He's mute. No, he can't even see. He's like, take off your glasses. He can't see. You don't have to take them off. So what would happen is the rabbi would basically say to the young man or woman there, sorry, I can't help you. You're stuck with it. Live with it. Too bad. Right, you can go sit down. Thanks, Corey. Thanks for being our demon today. Demon-possessed kid today. So the method that they had put in place wouldn't work. Because they couldn't say the name, they, could, they didn't know the name of the demon to cast it out. And so anytime the rabbis came across a situation that they couldn't handle, they would just attribute it and kind of shrug it off and say, well, it must be a messianic miracle because we can't do it. So only the Messiah, only, a, only the son of David could do this miracle. And so what did we just read? Now, when we read it in English, we say, yeah, Jesus talked to the mute and the deaf demon, cast him out, and he was set free. And then everyone was astonished. Well, why were they astonished if anybody else could do it? If anyone else could, could free demons, why were they astonished at this one? Because they understood that only the Messiah could talk to a mute person and cast out the demon. Pretty cool stuff. And so at this point, Jesus had performed two of the expected messianic miracles. This miracle in itself was actually a major turning point for the ministry of Jesus. At this point, he wasn't just a good teacher anymore. He didn't just have good things to say. He was being seriously considered as a candidate for the Messiah. Now, this made everybody really excited this made everybody, including the Pharisees, really excited because maybe this is the son of David. 
It wasn't just one messianic miracle. They did that investigation and said, yep, that actually happened. This is the second time it's happened. That's two out of four. They're getting excited. But at the same time, this is also the turning point where the Pharisees go, well, we're really excited that this could be the Messiah, but we really don't like the things that he's teaching. Because the things that he's teaching go against the methods that we've used previously. They begin to take away our power and our authority and our influence over people. And we kind of don't like the things that he's saying because we kind of like our positions of power. And so as things start to go really well for him, things also start to go and become really difficult. And what I've noticed, and maybe you've noticed in your own life, is that when God starts to do incredible things in your life and through your life, sometimes along with those really cool, amazing things, we have some sort of opposition that kind of comes up the side as well. A friend that we thought was a friend turns their back on us. Something in our family happens. Some sort of situation comes up. There's always some sort of opposition, hurt, or heartache. How many have ever watched a movie or read a, read a book and nothing actually happened? Like someone like woke up one morning, they had a really good day, they had a really good life, and all it did was show how good their life was. All he did was read the book and talk about how good their life was, and they were blessed, and then at the end of the life they died and went to heaven. Wouldn't that be the most boring book ever written? I'm not saying I want the adversity. I'm not saying that I want the challenges. But the truth is, is that's when our faith really comes alive. Because following Jesus isn't always easy. Doing the right thing isn't always the easiest thing to do. And our faith grows the most when it's challenged the most. Our faith grows stronger when we go through the most opposition. So, at this point, the Pharisees themselves are amazed, but they're also in disbelief. They actually think Jesus is possessed himself, and they kind of throw out this sarcastic comment. He does this, he casts out this demon by Belizebel, which is another demon. And Jesus then confronts them and condemns them for this comment, because he says, how can one demon cast out another demon? That would make... The kingdom divided, and a kingdom divided cannot stand. And he goes through this whole list and kind of just tells them off and says, no, this really is a legitimate miracle. No, this is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God has done this miracle. That is what Jesus confirms. So word of this miracle begins to spread. People are excited, and so everywhere Jesus goes, the people follow Because they see this is not just an ordinary teacher or rabbi. He's not just another one of them. That there is something different. And if he is the Messiah, that means I can be full of hope. And so just a little ways down in the Bible, we hear a story of a woman. And she has enough faith to reach out and touch the garment of Jesus to be healed And let me give you some background on that. So out of this miracle, word spreads. People are getting anxious, excited, hopeful, full of faith. The story found in Mark chapter 5, she touches the corner of his, what we could even refer to as his prayer shawl, a special garment that the rabbi would wear. It had four corners with tassels, and we called it, and they would call it wings. Now, I'm going to leave this as homework. If you would like to do some research on this prayer shawl that Jesus had, 
it's really powerful and deep. For the sake of time, we're not going to get there today. But it would talk about the wings that he would literally have on his garment, kind of just the way it would flow. It would look like wings. It was designed and created to remind the people as a symbol of God's law that they could literally cover their face with the covering of the symbolic gesture. They were literally covered by God's law. That they would literally be clothed. And as the rabbi would walk and as Jesus would walk, he would literally be clothed in God's law. And so out of the understanding in the first century Jerusalem, they developed this belief that the prayer shawl of the Messiah, the belief that the tassels of the Messiah's great garnet possessed healing power. And it's no doubt that it's linked to Malachi's prophecy, one of the last prophets, the last book of the Old Testament. You can find it in four, verse 2. He says, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. Say healing in his wings. Healing in his wings. Son of Righteousness is another messianic title along with Son of David. So we could call the Messiah the Son of Righteousness. So there's this woman who's got an issue of blood. She's been hemorrhaging for 12 years. It's been going on and on and on and getting worse and worse and worse and worse. She spent all of her money. Nobody can help her. She has nothing left. And then she hears of this possible Messiah. She hears about this messianic miracle and goes, if this is the Messiah, if it truly is, and if Malachi is right, that there will be healing in his wings, all I have to do is touch the tassel. All I have to do is touch the the corner of his garment, because there's healing in his wings. That's all I have to do. She knows, living in the first century Israel, that if this is the Messiah, healing is available. And so Jesus recognizes, as soon as she touches him, he recognizes that power has left him, that her faith in the long-awaited Messiah had finally healed her. The tassels themselves had nothing to do with her healing, and he says it was the faith in the person who was wearing the tassels. It was her faith in the Messiah that brought her healing. And so, of course, we read a little bit later that Jesus crosses the lake again, and as he crosses the lake, many have heard this story, and they begin to believe that he truly is the Messiah, and so people start touching his garment, left, right, and center. And every time they touch it, they're healed. So many touched his garment, and they're healed. So why are we telling these stories today? Well, for one, I want us to remember that Jesus is the Messiah. Would you say with me, Jesus is the Messiah? I also want us to know that Jesus is alive. He's alive inside of us today. The Messiah is not dead. He is here. He's present with us now. We're told that the same power that raised him from the dead, that made him the Messiah as well, is the same power that lives within you and within me. And so that reminds me today, that tells me today, and it tells us today, that whatever we happen to need in our life, whatever situation we're going through, all we need to do is find our little bit of faith. All we need to do is find these moments, put our faith in the Messiah who lives inside of us, and that no matter what happens, there will be freedom. As we sang in the song today, God will do great things.
Maybe we can't see the end of the picture. We can't see the end of the movie. We can't see where all of this is going. But we can have the confidence and faith that no matter what we face, as we put our faith in the Messiah, God has done and will do great things. Now, maybe there's things that you've held on to in your life for far too long, maybe your entire life. Maybe you've been living in silence like this mute and blind demon. We're going to talk about another miracle in, in two weeks' time, another messianic miracle in relation to a blind man. But maybe there's been something that you've been silent about for far too long, and, and you need the Messiah to bring a form of reconciliation or healing in your own mind, in your own body, in your own soul. Maybe, maybe what you're holding on to today is, is unforgiveness. Because unforgiveness tears you down and you say, I just need the Messiah to bring peace to my life. I need his help to forgive and I need the Messiah to work a miracle in me. Because freedom comes when we forgive. It helps us to live again. And much like this demon-possessed man that Jesus came, that Jesus healed and delivered, I firmly believe that God wants to deliver you from anything that would separate you from his love. So maybe there's something in your life that you say, God, I need to give you this, this part of my life that I've never trusted you with before. God, I need to trust you to take care of this deep brokenness that I feel. Now, maybe you've gone through that and, you've, and, and things have been really, really good in, in your life. Maybe you've dealt with some of those things. And so you go, well, what does this have to do with me? If at the very least, it's a, it's a reminder and a wow factor to say that nothing is impossible for God. It gives us a message of hope to share with others. So I have faith in Jesus today. I have faith in our Messiah I have faith in this great warrior, this son of David, this son of righteousness. I have great faith in the light that he brings. And I firmly believe he's called us to come alive in him to help bring freedom to those who are suffering today. And I'm so, so thankful for every one of you in this room, every one of you watching online. So thankful for the way that God has used you to bless and bring hope to people. Sometimes it's as simple as giving someone a smile, but sometimes it's as simple as giving a hug, and sometimes it's a little bit more intense than that. Sometimes it's just sharing a message of hope with somebody. It's been so exciting. I, I did a video. There's a conference happening this week, and they wanted to hear stories from our church about what God has done. And so I had the privilege of putting together this video and just sharing our story of our church over the last three years. And I got so excited to see what God has done in your life. And I got so excited to see and tell the story of what God has done through you to reach somebody else, to be a light in the darkness. And so this is one of the greatest honors of my life to pastor you, to be the pastor here at this church to see what God has done and the great things that he has done. And so I share this message of hope with you today. One, if you need freedom, I want you to find freedom in Jesus. But the second part of it is to say, keep going. Keep holding strong into the faith that you have. 
because God is doing great things. And even when you don't see it, even if you don't feel it, over a period of time, we begin to see all the amazing things that God has done. So never give up telling the story of Jesus. Never give up hope in him. Because freedom reigns wherever the spirit is. Freedom reigns wherever Jesus is. And Jesus lives inside of you. And everywhere you go, you bring a little bit more freedom and a little bit more hope. So keep it up. I want to pray for you today. And I want to just remember, I want to remember Louise in prayer today and Nicole and their family. And if you have a need as well, we want to be able to pray for you. And if you're online and you have a need, we want to be able to pray for you as well. And so you can pause after we dismiss here in just a moment and say, hey, Pastor, would you pray for me? If you would like to, to send me a message, you can do that on the website, thenorthshore.church/prayer, and you can send us a prayer request there. But I want to pray for you now and, and pray a blessing over you before we go today. And I also want to allow Jesus to meet your needs too. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your goodness and your faithfulness. Jesus, I thank you that you are the Messiah and we're not, that we are not left without hope. And so, God, today, for those who are in need of the Messiah to work in their life, to deliver them from whatever it is that separates us from you, O oh God, whatever it is that is a barrier or a wall, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, with all the faith I have in you, I pray that you would begin to tear down those walls now in Jesus' name, that you would bring freedom Lord, to those lives who are struggling now. God, for the rest of us, Lord, I pray a blessing as well over each one. Lord, and I give you thanks for the work that you have done, Lord, in us and through us. I thank you for the hope, this story of joy, this celebration that we have, that we are alive today, that we are free in your presence, Lord, that nothing will hold us back. And Lord, I thank you for the great work that you have done, that you are doing, and that you will do in the days and times to come. Lord, I know that you grieve with those who grieve today. And Lord, we know, Lord, that you have the, each and every one of us in your hand. As, as the children's song goes, Lord, you've got the whole world in your hands. But today, oh God, we lift up Louise to you. We lift up her entire family, Nicole and Chantel and all the grandkids, oh God, as they work through this loss. Lord, I pray that you would comfort her by your Holy Spirit now. Lord, continue to walk with her, continue to allow her to find rest. And Lord, allow her to find, find joy, Lord, through her mourning. Lord, we just pray a blessing over this congregation, over our church, over our kids this morning. We pray a blessing over our communities here on the North Shore. Lord, may you continue to come alive here. and May your power continually be shown. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us for in-person, online. And again, if you would like prayer, you can, you can come find me. I'll, I'll hang out here. Or if you'd like to uh, connect online, we'd invite you to do that. But uh, thank you so much for joining us. And we will see you at the beach 11 o'clock next Sunday.